<laughs> What's going on? Hey, I was just uh, uh, thinking about the uh, conversation we had last night. I, I think we should stay on topic on like the uh, hidden sexual innuendos that you didn't really notice uh, a- as a kid, but later realized as an adult. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 Because uh, I... I I brought up uh, that, that the second one I brought up last night was uh, when Bill Murray was uh, telling Walter Peck that he had no dick. So, <laughs> and, and 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 now when when I realized it as as an adult, oh, I was I was like, oh, well, that's why my parents were <laughs> saying don't say anything like that. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. they're. There's all types of, uh, like, Disney apparently has, like, you know, in The Lion King or Little Mermaid, there's things where basically, you know, there's stuff going on, but it may not even be intended for the adults who view it. Like, the pro- the thing is, is, like, it was subconscious. Like, it was thrown in as something where you could hardly even notice if you were even intently watching, but until somebody points it out, you're like, Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? But it, it wasn't even something that was, is a direct expressed thing like that. in ghostbusters, that was something where, you know, that was intentional, but intentional meaning more so like the writer was intentionally, putting that in there knowing that audience members would get it the first time they see it. But I'm talking about in these Disney movies or certain movies, they put stuff in there and you may never notice it until one person points it out to you. And then you watch it and you're like, Oh my gosh, I've seen this 30 times. I never knew noticed that. You know what I mean? It'll be like a, funny thing that you didn't realize like when Simba and the female tiger they rolled down the hill and were like behind the bushes or something or there was like something in Little Mermaid where a guy you know his pants were looking kind of funny or whatever and like yeah. this is the type of stuff when I was in you know middle school or like fifth grade like a friend told me there was like a crazy part that his older brother pointed out and then like like I didn't end up seeing it, but I kind of already knew that, you know, there might be some subconscious stuff going on in these productions. And, uh, you know, that's, it's just like a, it's a really slippery slope of, you know, impressionable content and how it can affect vulnerable, you know, people who you know watch these things and are emotionally moved because you know a lot of these productions they'll end up they can make you be you could cry you could laugh you could be on the edge of your seat you know what i mean and then on top of that while you're in this moment with the film then there's these ambient things happening that are also in effect you know you have sound you have vi- you have video like animation, you know, and then you have 
jokes that you know apply so like let's take hotel transylvania for example you know there's jokes in that production that are like contemporary jokes you know they're ones where people who see it who are familiar with what's going on in social media or popular culture they're going to catch on really easily whereas maybe you know 10 years from now that joke won't really have the same effect and then there's timeless jokes or timeless messages where you could watch it again and you'll realize the you know the essence or the value of that meaning and then there's other stuff where they'll put it in there and it's like it makes the film kind of like a cult classic i mean there's various levels you know and ghostbusters definitely is cult classic you know it's something that you could watch like you or myself and being a super fan and watching and it always you know has a very enriching effect that doesn't wear really wear off as easily as other films and so i'm trying to think though i mean it's like <laughs> i'm trying to think of like certain ones i mean i wouldn't necessarily say ace ventura i mean that was pretty obvious <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's like certain ones I'm like thinking of now. That is so funny. Oh my gosh! Uh, what yeah, else? Let let's let's just use uh, Ghostbusters just to uh, okay. kind of uh, p- uh, piggyback off on. Let, let, oh, let's, yeah. um, <clears throat> um, as as a child, um, of course I loved uh, Ghostbusters. As anybody would, uh, ba- ba- because kids love Ghostbusters, and and, and uh, well, I mean, first time around it scares you, but 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 then you you watch it uh, more over uh, a lot uh, of of times, and you just sort of become like a fan of of that film, like like uh, you don't care how many times you watch it, you watch it and and you enjoyed it, but. Uh, especially if if there were like jump scares and stuff like that in there, it's it's classified as a um, horror comedy. I think they accidentally stumbled on that genre, but mm-hmm. I I think um, Ivan Reitman um, kind of wanted to have that horror element, but it's it's not going to be like a slasher kind of thing, like. Like it'll have your your jump scares in there. It's, you're just not going to see anybody killed off or anything like that. And and the way how these actors were were screaming when they see like the terror dogs and and stuff like that. I I I was I was like, uh, well, the the way how they were screaming, I thought they were dead. And then uh, uh, as I said before, when they came back again, I I. I was like, okay, what what the heck is happening? Because I thought Louis Tully and Dana Barry were were dead, and and they just looked differently. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one that I wanted to uh, get to is is the montage after catching Slimer. Oh, okay. Uh, they they um uh had a scene in there. Um, it's it's a deleted scene, kind of, but but it's been saved 
for this montage ending scene and uh it's it's supposed to have really have happened but uh the way how they worked it is uh to to have it as a sequence as like a a dream and uh, uh the uh actual part of of that movie was supposed to be like part of their montage like they stopped in like a, a castle somewhere like away from new york and they were investigating a um a haunted castle of sorts and uh the ghostbusters were uh sleeping in in the castle and then ray wakes up and sees this uh beautiful ghost lady above him um and well I don't want to be too graphic on here. Let's let's just call it getting head uh, from from this <laughs> uh, la- uh, lady ghost. So I, I, I remember, like, yeah, the and they're playing the so, music and stuff. So I didn't uh, really know what to expect uh, out of that uh, movie. I mean, I I was I was a kid, but watching it as as an adult, I I, I was like. I had had to find some like podcast to kind of like explain to me what's actually going on because I still didn't even get it as as a dog. But, 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 uh, uh, when when they explained, I was like, oh, that that sort of makes sense now. (laughs) I I mean, they they used that um, in the movie, but. But it was a dream sequence. That's where the montage kind of ends. Right. I totally remember. Yeah, I was shocked. I mean, that level of, you know, maturity or, or, you know, adult content in a, I mean, we're talking a family movie. You know what I mean? We're talking at least, you know, you might hear about, um, I, I just thought of one another movie just now, but uh, basically with that one, I was shocked looking back at it, watching it again, and seeing that scene. Like that's the type of stuff where if you were to go to the movies, like w- when I was a kid, I went with my mom and dad to a movie. They, if it was something where, you know, like for instance, we saw, and we can go back to Ghostbusters. I'm just using this as an example, but. In Jurassic Park, there's a scene where the T-Rex eats a guy in the uh, porta potty or like the bathroom or a bathroom stall. And I heard about it and I kept talking about it. I kept saying like, oh, man, that scene I heard about that a guy gets eaten on the toilet. And then when it happened, my mom covered my eyes with her hand. I was like oh what the heck you know what i mean and like that that scene in ghostbusters that would definitely qualify that would be like are you serious you know what i mean um you know but at the same time they're you know on other movies that have funny stuff you know like caddyshack and you know saturday night live and you know it's a wide spectrum of jokes and comedy that just overall, it makes it a timeless movie. I think, you know, at, as of now, what we're seeing 
is these movies that are so juiced to have because because i guess let's face it you know today if a movie like ghostbusters came out with that same level of variety and you know stuff that is really racy you know would people tear it apart on social media or the media in general because you know everybody is ultra sensitive now that they have access to media and the ability to express themselves on various platforms you know and the thing is is movies like the avengers you know it's it's almost like an easy listening song it's like you know they are very uh that's why you have like these like these forever series types of movies they already have a system going there's so much business involved like they're ready to because i guess if somebody had like a, a joke like that from ghostbusters they might say hey i'm suing somebody or i'm gonna give a crazy review or i'm gonna do something and then the, and then it hurts the revenue stream of that movie but that doesn't mean that you know 10 years later you know ghostbusters is still a classic and people are still buying it you know but i guess the hard thing is with the internet people are getting it for free you know what i mean so it's like yeah. the classics end up having a a deadening fate whereas these avengers movies i mean they're making billions of dollars and you'd never really see any jokes like that you know what i mean but i i think it, it can also have the opposite effect because when you have a movie that's so conservative like that like um avengers where all the jokes are very controlled you'll never have like you know a character like in ghostbusters who is really just taking a concept to an extreme that is just like, wow, like, you know, that is hilarious. You know what I mean? And it may shock some people, may make some people angry, but the fact is, is they had fun making the movie. You know, that's the magic of having fun making the movie. And we have these comedians that are good on SNL. They're good at improvisation you know, you're giving them it. The actors are the writers and directors. It's such an organic process, even in early Hollywood in like the golden era, you know what I mean? At least for our generations. And, you know, I, I think with the Avengers and stuff like that, movies like that, um, avatar and, you know, stuff, what happens is, is, you then question, well, what is conservative? You know, what is a movie where they feel like this is a safe joke? Is it safe? Because when you say it's more safe and family friendly, then you assume that it is safe when you show it to other people. It's, it's looked at as a safe film. Well, you may not know the film entirely like what i was saying about the little mermaid and the other films and stuff like that that had some of those things that were made fun of and looked at as like potentially having some sexual and like some fallacy phallic symbol yeah. 
You know what I mean? The thing is, is like, then it's like, well, that just got played and it was advertised by the people who played it as a safe film. And then meanwhile, there's like a group of people, kids or, you know, younger teens who are just like, that's like a level of age range where they're just like secretly laughing about it, like snickering in the background because they're looking at and the parents are like thinking, oh, they probably just think it's corny. Like they don't know about this funny secret in the movie that's supposed to be some safe movie. So in a lot of cases, then that can do the opposite. So that's why I just like Ghostbusters because Ghostbusters just is just direct. It's just fun. You know what I mean? The 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 movies once you have so much money put into a movie and they're just making so much money, dude, that's a good thing. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I am saying though that it it is something that it, it's like, you know, the nineties had so in eighties had so many off the wall concepts that that's where a lot of the forever series started, you know, like you're not going to find like an era where they just have like critters, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, that one show like dinosaurs or whatever. It's like a show with the puppets, you know, or just just crazy stuff that gremlins you know what i mean like and then it just disappears you know and then these these other movies that are here now they're like historical movies like they go back like and they're like a multi-decade long you know a legacy of releases to the public and they're very controlled and you know i mean i can appreciate that too i mean i'm not it's just it is something where it it, it creates a climate like a mm. climate of of movie releases and it can and it can make it harder for you know that essence that was a completely different climate so it's 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 interesting. I mean, that I guess is the disadvantage though of Hollywood. You know what I mean? Because it's a centralized place. And then who gets the blame? You know what I mean? If if you know people protest because they figure out something is inappropriate, and then they go who they obviously are going to go to these big companies. You know what I mean? And then the big companies take a hit and then they get, they get a bad rap. So, you know, now I think it's up to the fan maids. The fan maids are really going to be the ones that it's going to be, it's going to be twofold. It's going to be fan maids and it's also going to be distributed open source social media. So currently the social media that we have censors stuff and if you put something up on youtube it's like a fan made say like you know we made an amazing ghostbusters we took some of the racy jokes and made our own version and then somebody complains or flags it and it gets taken down you know well mm -hmm. we're just gonna go then to 
like Rocket Chat. Rocket Chat is a distributed social media network where you can run your own Rocket Chat server. And if it gets popular too, and the movie's used as the marketing to bring people to the platform, and then you're, no one can censor you. So you have all of the toolkit of the socializing and then people can comment on it. You can learn from the viewers as to how to make it better and even have video chats and instant chat, instant messenger chats. And so this is, I think all part of, you know, how we can have very controlled audiences that can accept what would be considered inappropriate, but the genius put into it because censorship really just, it, it creates fear and it creates kind of like a, um, a feeling of, you know, what is the future going to look like? You know, it's kind of like a demolition man with mm -hmm. Sandra Bullock and Sylvester Stallone. And uh, when he f is frozen in the cryogenic chamber and then he wakes up and uh, it's like everybody is super peaceful. And then she's like, do you want to have sex? He's like, uh, okay. And then she gives him like a virtual reality headset. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what is this? And then it's like all confusing or he has to like go to the bathroom and he's like, I don't know what's going on. He's like these three seashells. And then Rob Schneider's like, he didn't know. He was like laughing. He's like, <laughs> he doesn't know how to use the three seashells. He's like, yeah, back when he was alive, they used what was called toilet paper where they wiped with it. And then, and then he was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and like, it, it, but then at the same time, there was this under the sewer underground community. And it was just, the old world that was suppressed and it was all these people that were oppressed, you know, and when Sylvester Stallone saw them stealing from like the Taco Bell, he was like, Oh no, he, he like, he, he wanted to fight them cause they were stealing, but then he realized that they were hungry and he was like, they didn't take, you know, like the other jewelry or whatever. They just took food. So he knew right then something was wrong. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the kind of thing I see as the chemistry that happens within censorship is you, you start seeing that something's kind of scary, like the twilight zone type of scary, like, mm -hmm. you know, so that's why I like the realness of ghostbusters. You know what I mean? That's what makes a timeless classic. And, and also it's something where it's like funky too, like the song, you know what I mean? Like, you could party to that song. Like it's a great song. You know what I mean? If you have a good, you know, Halloween oh, I party. I made a podcast on, on, on that with a, a special guest. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll hear that a little bit later on. Uh, um, oh, nice. It, 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 it was, it was talking about how, um, Ghostbusters is mostly played around Halloween more, more popular, uh, than just, playing Huey Lewis's uh like I want a new drug kind of thing but but uh <laughs> um I have to invite you back I I, I don't know oh, how, right. uh, how long we we have right now but I just want to have enough time Sounds good uh, Cool Okay
I was saying is is that uh, people want to party with uh, Ghostbusters, and, and 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 I'm not saying that's the only song they would party to. Of course, there's other songs they're going to throw in the mix for like a dance party on on like Halloween, but oh yeah, but. but but it's it's just like the most popular uh, choice at at uh, the time, whether if it was the eighties, nineties, maybe even today. But 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 uh, it's it's more popular than uh, playing Huey Lewis's "I Want a New Drug," as I said, because um, I, I mean Ray Parker Jr. was was actually suit over Huey Lewis uh, and and the news because that beginning sound when when you hear the Ghostbusters theme song the brown at, at, at the beginning oh yeah um, if, if if you compare that beginning song with I want a new drug by uh, I uh, by, by Huey Lewis in, in, in a news they, they, they have the same uh, beginning at 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 the song, uh, uh, that little bit of rare uh, at the beginning, uh, and um, the court settled. I mean, not not really much settled, but 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 he won uh, in his favor of Huey Lewis, and Ray Parker had to actually maybe pay uh, some of his royalty checks. Uh, towards Huey Lewis uh, after that that court case and and I'm oh wow I, I I'm I'm sorry he had to go through it but but uh, uh, he made Ghostbusters the uh, the way it is I'm I'm sorry Ray Parker Jr. It's <laughs> it's not your fault I, I don't know if you even listen to this but if you are just just uh, it, uh, understand you made Ghostbusters the way it is and. And us fans just fell in love with it. But uh, anyway, now that's out of the uh, the way. Um, I I also want to wait. Let me ask you one question. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah. Okay. What about? Here's another thing. I think the Ghostbusters song, in comparison to like Michael Jackson Thriller is uh-huh. now here's an interesting thing too is with all the scandal going on with michael jackson you know i became i was i was djing you know what i mean and i'd get mm-hmm. kind of scared to play this person who i think he was okay i don't think he did anything wrong i, I kind of feel like innocent until proven guilty and then also i feel like uh you know it, like a lot of people speculate but I mean, I'm a, I'm completely against. I mean, of course, as anybody would, you know, any type of person who would be guilty of any of these accusations, you know what I mean. But uh, aside from that, aside from that, that that was something that would be going on in people's heads as I describe this comparison. Let's just say before all of that, especially after he passed away and then these come up, you know, these accusations come back again. I just think, man, it's just kind of a crazy world we live in, but I want to respect, you know, people who have been through horrific situations. And, um, you know, 
I I just didn't play his music anymore. It was just kind of sad. But I kind of always looked at Thriller as kind of like another Halloween song, you know. And but with Ghostbusters though, the thing I think that's so much more successful about it is that it's also kind of song you can clown around. You know, it's really wacky, but it's also got that got a nice funk to it and it's turned up you know and it it just is something where it it goes as a dj you would think it might be corny to play you know when i would play especially for like younger people um you know most people tend to want the real dance songs you know that have nothing to do with halloween but and then when you play the Halloween songs, you know, no one wants it to be like the chicken dance, you know, where it's just it's like the cookie cutter party song, you know, yeah. the, at least they want that, but they just don't want one after the other, you know, like where you have 10 cookie cutter songs, you got to kind of space them out or else it's like, who do you think we are like? you know, five years old, you know what I mean? Like, so basically, but with Ghostbusters, I mean, I pretty much feel like I could fit that in anywhere and it would be generally accepted. It has a good vibe to it where it's not embarrassing to play thriller. It builds up. So it could, if you don't drop it the right way, it'll kind of be a little dry. Like people could kind of look at each other like, you know, and then right before the dinner, you know, then it just, it doesn't, it doesn't spike in excitement the right way. Um, you got to be a little bit more of a good DJ to slip it in the right way. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, Halloween parties are turnt and especially Ghostbusters. I, I feel like I feel pretty safe with that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that was another thing. It's like, do the new Ghostbusters, like, do they have that same level, I mean, of just turn-up factor? It's like, the old Ghostbusters had a theme song that was just groundbreaking. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what type of theme songs are going to be coming out with the new ones? Well, they don't have one. You know what I mean? Or they might have some type of features from some of the newest, hottest artists out. But are they as hard-hitting? I don't know if that can even really be done again. You know, there's millions of songs that come out all the time. And then they all kind of sound similar because you use the same tools, like digital tools to compose these songs and record them. Um, whereas back then, despite all of them being similar with analog technologies, there was a level of mystique when it came to very unique, diverse studio setups and engineering. And, um, and there was a little bit more of, okay, when you hear it, it's like there might be a secret or some type of urban legend, you know, gossip about some special technique that was used and you know it, it's all this vortex or aura 
that it makes that song on fire. And then the song sonically and just the textures of it, it can't really be achieved again as well as that time period. It just, everybody knows like right when you hear it, you know what I mean? Like right when you hear it, the first second, two seconds, you know what song it is. You know what I mean? It, it That's where music has such a good way of allowing you to memorize history or relive the experience. And that's what that's why Ghostbusters is probably one of the all-time creations, movies. You know what I mean? That's that that's the formula for success. So anyways, uh continue. I I was uh just gonna say that that uh um Ray Parker uh Junior, what was the reason why um, we Ghostbusters fans uh, fell in love with that movie? Is just because that song alone. And and uh, I was I was yeah. trying to um, actually uh, think of another scene, uh, um, like after the the meeting of uh, the mayor, and, and uh, they were going up to like spook central it's like dayton's apartment and uh meeting gozer and, and uh when she almost threw them off the the building when ray said no that he uh, they weren't gods or anything like that um they they almost fell off the the building and uh, somehow they they held on and, and that was never really explained fully uh how they were just, uh, still able to hold on and and uh, uh with with that kind of power i think uh, uh they would have fallen off in, in all honesty but uh and and this is hollywood i mean they're they're not meant to be realistic by any means uh, and if all the ghostbusters uh fell off the uh the building let's let's say that's probably the end of the movie and and we're just going to see the whole world blow up <laughs> but, um but uh and and um but somehow rather they they held on and um uh winston says Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> if, uh, and then uh, it's it's the part where where they're about to uh, pull out their uh, Ghostbuster gun again. It's 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 like, all right, this chick is toast, and 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 uh, uh, Peter is is kind of like the leader of the pack almost. But I I mean he's. A Ghostbuster with probably lots of experience uh, of where things happening, but he falls back into being like a skeptic, uh, and and uh, that never was explained to me until I heard another podcast men- mentioning that. It's it's it was like oh, um, I guess that kind of makes sense. I mean, he's experienced all of these weird things, but he falls back to being like a skeptic, like. Uh, I I don't know what you're talking about. You guys are nuts. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so uh, what? So so in in some ways, uh, uh, Bill Murray uh, Vakeman is is kind of like a drill sergeant of of uh, 
uh, letting them know when to pull, and, and it's kind of like an army kind of thing, like like uh, grab your stick, holding, is what they always say. Uh, heat them up, make them hard. Now at that moment, when when he said that, uh, make them hard. I I I I thought he was only referring to like make your stream hard, which he is but at the same time i kind of feel like that is your hidden innuendo right there it's 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 kind of like referring their guns as sort of like the male parts that they have <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah the phallic symbols uh uh basically uh what was i gonna say well okay you brought up a good point about when the whole world would explode. That's so funny. Uh, so Hollywood. Now, what I did learn about, I think it was when reading like Huck Finn and like high school or whatever, but uh, basically satire and storytelling still has to incorporate reality to a certain percentage level or proportion to the level, like, let's just say, you know, there was no realism. Well, then there would be no struggle there or there would really not be any grounded or an anchor for expectation or, you know, that's that's where when you when you deal with a satire or you deal with, you know, a story the story has to swish around realism to catch your uh, attention and skew and surprise you. You know, it's, it's part of the roller coaster ride of you having certain feelings and then they play with the feelings, you know what I mean? So yeah, they might, be close to falling off the edge. It does like a camera view of their toes and they're looking over the edge and it's just like seeing little cars, like micro machines from like a skyscraper. And then their arms fling around. Whoa, 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 whoa. And then their friend grabs them and pulls them back and, you know, but yeah, they don't fall, but they almost fall. You know what I mean? Or they or they fall, but then somebody grabs a hose on their backpack and they are dangling. You know what I mean? It's it's always going to be something where it's um, very slippery. It's it's very, you know, it's kind of like in a dream where you can never really run in the dream. You always like trying to run, but you're like you, you're like walking you know, there, there's something where it's like, it's just this pocket of where the the uh, protagonist is about to get hurt, but then they're always saved. Now, there are films, though, and this is something that I've realized is more of like a cultural thing, but in American cinema, the movies tend to have a very genuflect or a very expected crescendo rising and sinking 
of these experiences that's very smooth because it's ingrained in business. Because prior to really the explosion of American cinema, there was, you know, for instance, French cinema. And a lot of times the good guys could just die. Like the whole story just goes left and then ends that. And then the movie ends and it teaches you some really smart concept. But for the general audience, most people probably wouldn't get it. So it's a very artistic niche market. And that's coming back. I feel like, but in terms of the explosions and the, guy gets the girl and all goes well at the end this is really what american cinema is all about you know mm-hmm. and they're never gonna it's like the uh the perfect example is last action hero you know the arnold schwarzenegger movie they really almost it's like a um it's like a film study 101 course on american cinema and having these things where, okay, they have a gun. What is that used for? To shoot the criminals and the criminals to shoot the good guys. But despite there being this mechanic of a weapon being used, they just happen to never run out of bullets. Their clips always have unlimited ammunition. You know what I mean? So it's this balance of real and unreal. And they and in that movie they tend to make it a joke, you know what I mean? Where it, yeah. it's just like now they're even embracing it. It's kind of like, and this will be my last point, and then you can continue. It's kind of like uh, when Sprite created. This was in this documentary called "The Merchants of Cool," and I believe this was the documentary. I'm pretty sure it was because it talked about. Sprite and it talked about the marketing techniques of Sprite and uh, Grant I forgot what his last name it was a very well-known basketball player who had a Sprite in the locker room and he was joking about well basically he was promoting Sprite but there were these little thought bubbles or there were these things about his reason for doing it. And it was just, he was getting paid and it was showing all these things he was getting. So it brought out to the audience as a joke that he doesn't even care about the product. He's just getting paid. Now, would you buy a product where that is the, end result of what you get from the commercial no but the fact is is study groups revealed that because they did that and it made it a joke people laughed about it and then got sprite anyways whereas if he just would have said i love sprite and he's a sports player people would have just not taken it seriously so it was almost reverse psychology you know what I mean? Uh, and that's where, you know, people are very intricate now about they're very picky 
but they're almost, it's like the zoological effect. You know, when people know they're being studied, then they act different. Like an animal that's knowing it's being observed, it, it's going to act different. And, you know, Hollywood cinema, they'll have, for instance, like a Western genre. It'll have, at first, the cowboys are the good guys. And then the Indians are the bad guys. And then all of a sudden, there happens to be a couple cowboys that are bad guys and a couple Indians that are good guys. And then the good guys of both teams get together and they weed out the bad guys of both teams. You know, So it becomes more of an intricate mixture. And so if people are used to kind of the same level of realism, then it, it's almost really difficult. Like you have to be almost like a film uh, specialist, of a fan of, of movies. But nowadays, it's more isolated. There's so many movies that are out that you almost start from square one as if somebody has not seen a film at all and they're going to see a film for the first time, you know? And because um, look at how like the Matrix, when the Matrix came out, all these other movies came out that emulated that same cinef- cinematography of a mid-flight. And we've talked about this before, mid-flight, and then the cameras rotate. You know, The One did that too. Tons of other movies did that too. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But the, anyways... I'm sorry, I kind of went on a tangent there, but yeah, amazing point though about the world exploding. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I so want to ma- I, I, I want to make sure I have enough time now. I'll, I'll just invite you back. So cool, good idea. Sounds good. Yeah, uh, the uh, part that you were talking about with with, with the world it, it exploding, uh, my. My thinking was that if they were going to end the film of Ghostbusters there where the bad guys uh, won, or maybe the bad spirits won, I guess in this case, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's that um, uh, Gozer does actually uh, push him off uh, the, the building successfully with her powers. I mean, they almost did, but 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 let's say that 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 she did, and and they fell to to their deaths, and 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 they would. I, I mean, it's it's cinematography, like 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 you said, but it looks like that they're really high above when in uh, reality they aren't, but but um, they can make it look like they're falling to, to their death. I mean, it's it's uh, Hollywood; anything is is possible if they decide to end the movie that way and and uh let's say they splat on on the ground i mean all four of them it it, there wouldn't be a sequel of first of all but but if they decided uh to to do that let's let's say gozer would have won and she could um uh bring the end of the world however um she, he, what, what, whatever this Gozer uh, character is, uh, is she could potentially 
make the world explode if if that's what her power is or maybe she's gonna have all the spirits you know bad bad spirits like like uh roam free uh, and kill everybody on on earth i mean could happen it's it's not gonna be so much of uh, a zombie apocalypse at, at at that point if if all the uh spirits are killing off all of the human beings and there's no human beings left on on earth that's that's gonna be like the end of the world right there so uh those are possibilities that they could have uh done back then but did not and um and i'm glad that they didn't be be because the the whole idea is to um stop the obstacle that's keeping them from their their goal which is actually in this movie they're they're not superheroes but they're superheroes uh to us fans i mean uh, they uh, the the genre wasn't superhero movies but they acted like it to uh, to me that's why it was so interesting but um they're supposed to be acting like we're just doing our job to protect the city of New York kind of um, uh, thing. But I just got the idea that they are just like a new level of superheroes. And, and every kid likes superhero movies, especially if they're wearing proton packs. And um, when they cross their, their screens... Uh, goes or change into a form a stamp of marshmallow man that uh, exploded everywhere uh, uh, all the shaving cream is just kind of like uh, being thrown everywhere uh, <laughs> the, the uh, people behind the scenes are are, are throwing the, these things just kind of wherever now and and uh, the main guy who was kind of like um, you know Walter Peck who who kind of caused the trouble to, to begin with, he had a bad reaction uh, to the shaving cream that fell on him. He asked be, before uh, the shooting um, began, is this going to hurt? And, and, and they're like, oh, no, 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 you're going to be fine. And, and then when, when they dumped all of that shaving cream on him, um, he said it, it it hurt like hell. I, I mean, he he's he's like, how would they, uh, how would they know? Uh, they they uh, they're not the one being dumped on. I was. <laughs> so and wait, then, what happened? Was it just too much weight, or it slapped it on him? It's like how how did did it hurt? I don't understand how it hurt. I I I I'm I'm not sure where they dumped it from, but but uh, however high they. They they were it's it's just like the impact oh uh, was was like hitting him on on the head and full body and stuff like that hurt him I I I don't I don't know what the mass is or or anything like that but apparently the the, the kind of shaving cream they had in in the eighties maybe even uh, today is even worse but I I wouldn't know but because they didn't uh, uh, dump it on me, and plus I was too young anyway. But I, I'm just <laughs> saying that um, 
there is quite a bit of weight to these shaving creams that they were just putting in in the bucket and, and they do have like some kind of weight or, or mass to it i'm i'm thinking and when they dumped it on him uh he he was like what do you mean it didn't hurt it hurt me like hell <laughs> so and, yeah. and then uh, he he had a bad reaction after the shot was over. He, I, I don't know if, if he was allergic to anything that was um, in the ingredients of the um, shaving cream it, itself. It was menthol, but, but uh, it, it was uh, whatever that made that chemical uh, menthol kind of like uh, scent or uh kind of thing um, from the shaving cream they put in the buckets uh, he had a bad reaction to it I I, I guess it's uh, an allergic reaction of some kind but it didn't cause any like death or anything to him thank goodness I mean people yeah. have different reactions to uh, being allergic to uh, just stuff but 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 it's just like um, he had like a bad rash after it. So. Dang, yeah, I think at a certain concentration, it wouldn't necessarily um, give you a reaction, you know. But as at a certain concentration, that's so high, it could be high, it could be a overwhelming amount that your body just can't handle. You know, like some people, they'll be allergic to poison ivy some won't but what i learned from biology class from my teacher is that you may be immune to poison ivy or somebody or in uncommon cases but all of a sudden you'll break out you'll have a rash if you're in there too long or you have too many times where your body's telling you don't do that you know what i mean don't hey last chance and then all of a sudden you have a reaction when you know traditionally you'd been okay but with the whipped cream that sounds like it was just such a high concentration and at that time i don't think organic and you know i can get a lot of the detergents nowadays and different types of substances that are from the grocery store for cleaning and even whipped cream. I mean, they have organic. Oh, no, this versions. was shaving cream. That that this was shaving cream. They they dumped on him. So. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, even so, you know, they have so many varieties of products these days for everything, and they will add on, slap on to a product organic, and it won't use any chemical inorganic substances as a component. And so it's harder for you to have a reaction. You know what I mean? Because if it's as bad as bleach or it's just a straight up a chemical, you know what I mean? Like that just seems like the time period where they would just kind of ignorantly put together a mixture that purely looks the part, but when it comes to the compounds it could put the actor at risk of getting hurt. You know, the fumes, 
smelling it, you know, getting it in their eyes, their mouth, you know, and then the crazy thing is too, is that, you know, that actor or actress is also having to do a red carpet or they're having to do something where they have to go do a, some type of autograph signing. Mm-hmm. But if they're putting this multi-million dollar showcase film, a film, a listing film, their a list actor or actress, and then they just had some skin rash reaction or hives or whatever. Now they have to hide. So then they can't, make the money from the autograph signing you know it's like the movie shut them down but then the movie was made to be as big as possible so now everyone's like oh well where's that actor they disappeared after the making of the movie you know what i mean or when the movie came out where are they and then we come find out later on oh they had a really bad rash from the marshmallow scene (laughs) like oh that explains it you know what i mean (laughs) i mean william atherton that that the guy who played walter peck he he was a good sport about it i i I mean he didn't want to sue the uh company anyway but but uh uh he was willing to take one for 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 the team but he did actually have to check into like a hospital and see what kind of cream or something that he needs to put on like that's good he sought out professional help that's good and was and was a team player that's even better wow yeah i mean in in reality he is actually a nice guy or so uh from many podcasts so i was i was told that way but oh i bet yeah yeah but but he's just really good at playing the uh (laughs) like the asshole that 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 uh, he's like typecasted at or maybe like a bad guy almost but but he um here's here's the interesting fact after the movie wrapped and uh things were like um done with the making of of ghostbusters okay you have to separate what is real and what is not and these people didn't do that in reality when the movie was over somebody saw william atherton uh in in reality he got in a bar fight be, be, because somebody called him dickless and then uh, <laughs> and and, and uh, be, be because they they believed that ghostbusters was was real when it was actually fiction it was just like uh you're the one who shut down the protection grid uh you're you're a dick or something like that you're dickless and <laughs> and, and and uh a uh, poor guy had to actually live through that it, it kind of died off uh for a good while which was uh, a good thing uh, on on his part but but um he didn't answer any uh phones after a while bait because people uh, really believe that he was and actually was Walter Peck. I mean, in reality. So. Wait, wait. So explain again. So w- there's a, an instance that happened in real life where yeah. somebody thought Ghostbusters was real. I mean, everybody kind of thought that at the time. And you mean real that, like yeah. the ghosts were real? 
No, like like um, he was actually the guy who shut down the uh, the protection grid and almost brought uh, the end times. And and yes, they oh. they, 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 they they were kind of uh, thinking that these ghosts were were real and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean they didn't um, separate Dude. fiction from reality. So. That's crazy. You know what that's you know yeah. what's wild about that? Whoa. Yeah. So they right. so, so, oh, are we reaching okay, we're at 14. Okay, cool. So um okay. So that's wild. So wait a minute. So the protection I'm gonna go to my uh room. Uh keep, keep oh going. yeah. I'm gonna go to my room. Okay, cool. So the protection grid was what what I, I guess the protection grid it keeps the ghosts away. So the, you know what a contemporary version of that is is with celebrities nowadays, they stopped doing it. it. It was something that really was a big thing discussed, like a topic that was discussed. and it was about uh, a lot of people were tweeting about it, like a lot of articles were brought up about it, but uh, you know certain celebrities would say, that 5G is a causal factor in coronavirus uh, in infection, and 5G suppresses your immune system, and you, the effects you have is not a virus, but it's radiation poisoning. And the thing that I have to say about that, though, is that I think, though, that 5G and electromagnetic frequencies do affect somebody's or an organism's behaviors, their cellular activity. I, I don't I mean, that's obvious to me because, you know, this this is an energy field and it's not like nothing is going to happen. Even if it's minor, there's still something that's going to happen. So whether it's so minor, it, nothing really is significant enough to, you know, do something unfavorable to the person, the person still hasn't any idea and they're okay with it. And the thing is, that's interesting about what you had just described is, you know, a lot of movies are very uh, contemporary with what's going on in the world, like the movie Contagion, and and how what how everything is, you know, transpiring with the way that our world is adapting with a lot of these changes. And let's just say, you know, there was no five G mentioned in the movie Contagion. Lawrence Fishburne. Um, couple other i lost you for a moment i i don't happen there okay um well okay so let me start over again so okay so i was talking about 5g and i was talking about you know with a lot of what celebrities and people were speculating is that 5g has something to do with getting a coronavirus and getting sick and i was talking about just to abbreviate is that I feel that it has some effect. It may not be a direct causal effect, but for someone to think that it has zero effect, even with 
just any involvement of coronavirus without any involvement, you're still being affected by electromagnetic frequency. So if you have Wi-Fi or you have anything in the air, even though it might be something that is legal, it doesn't mean that it's good for you. It just means that it's in such small doses that it really has a minuscule effect to your day-to-day experience. But, you know, over the long term and having long-term exposure, we do not know, you know, but the thing is, is that people still need to be open and not cancel out any type of idea. And if that's the case, shut it down and just see, you know, why would you push a business plan that can put people at risk? That would, that's like anti-marketing, but I think there's actually some bit of government push for it because it's more of an effective way to transfer data and get people to experience, you know, the helpfulness of news and telecommunications. But let's just bring it back to Ghostbusters and the feeling of people thinking, oh, wow, this guy shut the grid down from the protection of these ghosts. And now we're going to attack the actor. Well, in the movie Contagion, I brought the movie Contagion, that was kind of like a COVID-like premonition. But there was no mention of anything that had to deal with 5G. Well, let's just say there was. And then something like this happens. And then people see that actor or actress and they just go AWOL. They think, oh, well, this person was the one who started the 5G. You know, let's get them. You know what I mean? But I think now it, it's harder for that to happen. I think back then it may have been easier because there was such a stronger impression with people that ne- didn't necessarily have internet. So when you watch movies, you kind of saw them as a larger-than-life iconic thing where the icon-ism, I don't know if that's a word, but basically the level of icon embodied in the participants was so strong that it almost made it seem like the person, whoever it was, who was a you know, civilian who had an issue insecurity with the actor or actress about what they did in a movie which is obviously fake they want to make an example out of that person but nowadays it seems like that fourth wall by nature of the business has been completely removed even though you know they're not talking to the audience which is the whole breaking the fourth wall there's still so much of a experience in the making of the movie like avatar was all about you know seeing zoe saldana or certain people and james cameron you know dressing these actors and actresses up in these suits that could help with the 3d development and so you see them the entire way. That's almost the market. That's the marketing of the movie is the making. And it becomes almost like this scholastic learning experience. You know what I mean? And 
that almost makes it to where everybody knows that it's fake and they're prepped on still, you know, imagining, but I, I don't see that happening as often unless there's some type of social media scandal or something that follows the actor or actress. But that's a, that's a really interesting story. I didn't know that. Dude, that's kind of scary. I mean, you want to make a movie because it's fun, you know, and then you get paid. I mean, that's a dream. And then not only that, but you're one of very few actors and actresses at that time, you know, much less than the amount that we have today, you know. So, I mean, you're really outnumbered and, you know, people look up to you they also are very impressionable and you know this is something from a movie like get over it you know what i mean like it's fake but man i guess at that time that's something that really is something that could be a danger factor you know what i mean like like i guess the only thing i can think of as of now this may not be the best example but when Beavis and Butthead was canceled for a while, there was a kid who, you know, saw that they burned a house down. So he burned the house down or the show Jackass, you know, once they saw Jackass, then they started doing it. You know what I mean? It was this time before the internet where movies and shows had a different effect. And now that we have the internet, it's like, people have a looking glass that's behind the scenes and there's now business that's tailored towards that level of experience. So it shuts down to me, it shuts it down, but there are still a lot of people that want to abuse the, you know, the the exploration of the experience, you know, but I don't, I don't think, I mean, I guess also the story itself of somebody who thinks that the, Ghostbusters movie is real. That's part of the legend or the urban legend, the story as well. Like we don't really know if that was their approach. We we just heard about that. Whereas nowadays it's all on camera, like phones and mobile devices. So you may really get to see what their feelings were and the intricate details more, you know. But, man, I would hate to have made a film that was that good. And then people, like, chase me down the street. <laughs> like, you killed the mar, You let the marshmallow man loose. <laughs> I'd be like, no. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, so, yeah. I mean, that actually happened. I, I, I think people are over it right now. I mean. Uh, it's it's what twenty twenty right now. They have to be over it by now. I mean, it's, right. it's a movie. It's it's nothing on the set is is real. I mean, it's made to entertain uh, people. And and even if if it were real, do you think the uh, a Hollywood production would be? Uh, there to capture every on uh, everything on film 
I think the news reporters might be there. I don't think the movie uh, producers and everybody behind the scenes are going to be there. I think they're going to be running the other way. So. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, go on. Sorry to have interrupted. That was a good point though. I didn't realize that. Wow. Dude, what next? Well, uh, I I have to get ready for for work. Uh, I I I oh, might nice. ha- I, I, I might have to um, think uh, a, a little bit be- before I go to bed. Um, the one thing that <laughs> I was trying to think of something from. Ghostbusters 2, I mean, I, I did a pretty good job uh, pointing out the innuendos in the first one, obviously, but I've seen Ghostbusters 2 plenty of times, too, but but I I think there's uh, quite a few hidden innuendos in there, too, but I, I have to think which one, but uh, I guess the only thing I could think of uh, right now is when they found the um, uh, psychomyth- uh, magnetic, uh slime. It's it's a big word. I I I, I can't even speak like Egon. Uh, I mean uh, that's why Harold Ramis was uh, perfect to to play him because he sounds like a a scientist when he says it really fast. Psychomagnetic. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, but. Uh, what what it means is is pretty much that the slime picks up on bad people's emotions and and um so when you yell and scream and and uh it bubbles and it bubbles to to the top and then uh when when the slime gets more and more agitated or or angry i guess it it's it's a way to express itself. I I, I guess it, it just creates more ghosts if, if you're not able to stop um yelling. But but um I mean we saw that happen with the uh Scolari brothers in the courtroom. But mm-hmm. uh Ray was about to do the same thing but at their firehouse. I'm I, I'm like, Ray, calm down. I know it's exciting to find these Psycho, uh, psychomagnetic slime, this mood slime that, that, that you found, but you're about to create another ghost in there. So, uh, so uh, Winston actually told him, whoa, 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 calm down, uh, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then um, um, Peter made uh, I, I guess it's supposed to be a joke of of some sort, I guess, but he he was saying this is uh, what you do with uh, your spare time, and and he says, well, Ray, uh, he says, um, Peter, this is an incredible breakthrough. Uh, whatever uh, whatever this stuff is, it responds to uh, human emotional states. And then Peter goes, mood slime. And he goes, oh, baby. And then it bubbles up. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and, and what, um, they, they were talking about how 
they they can make it into more a positive charge slime. Like like uh, instead of having angry things uh, said to me, uh, they were we're talking about like the thought process of of like uh, talk to it, say um, sweet and nurturing things to do it uh, uh, to it. Peter then just interjects and says, "You're not sleeping with it, are you, Ray?" <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> uh, and then, um, everybody was kind of like looking toward Egon's direction, and I missed that as as a child. Which I I really did. I I didn't know what that meant, but uh, Winston is is well, um, at that point was. At that point, uh, Winston was uh, saying, it's always a quiet one's event. Vankman says, you hound. So it meant that he, um, Egon was kind of like uh, sleeping with it in, in the uh, some kind of special jar that doesn't open up in the middle of the night, I guess. And, and it was like airtight or something. And um, so that's what it sort of meant. It's kind of like he actually did sleep with it. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it it is supposed to be sexual. I I, I don't know what uh, what else he did with with a with a slime. I I, I guess uh, uh, you and some of the listeners will have to use their imagination. But 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 I think. Um, what whatever I mean, I think so too. I I agree. I mean, I think that it's hard to interject, but I feel like it was just the fact that these guys were embracing their humanity, and sexual isn't just oh you're a pervert. That's the reason why the trap of the slime was working on the average person. And because these guys were so comfortable with themselves and had such a good team where they understood each other, they've been put in all these extreme situations, they can easily feel that way knowing that that overcomes the physics of the slime and the emotions that might trigger uh, detection from a ghost. You know, it's like... It's funny, too, to watch them, but it's doing the dance with the ghost, and the ghost is familiar with humans and has kind of created these mechanisms to defeating them or getting what they want to coexist and maybe dominate, you know, but the way that the Ghostbusters, you know, really identify the history or they're very observative and they are in touch with themselves and they're comfortable with themselves. That's how they do the dance. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like Ernest scared, stupid where he has to dance with the troll at the end. And he's like, give me a big old smooch. You know what I mean? And he, get, he kisses it. And it's like the troll, like they found out that the mother's milk or milk is represents like unconditional love and then the love that you give the troll when you express love that's what defeats it 
So you really have to embrace, you face your fears. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, my my point was uh, that the listeners and you especially will, will probably have to use your imagination of, of what kind of sexual thing that Egon may have done with with, with <laughs> and, uh, because I probably won't go to that detail, but uh, they, 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 they were making like a hidden innuendo there too, but yeah, <laughs> but um, oh, it's, it's, it's a good thing that, that, that you kind of um, brought it up. It's it, uh, they, they did make a, a toaster dance uh, with the slime. And um, that's with Jackie Wilson um, higher and higher, I guess. Um, and then the other thing um, that I want to uh, bring up, it's, it's also in my Tobin Spirit Guide, a physical copy right now. It, they, it, it talks about um, uh, Vigo the Carpathian and, and um, did you know that he was a- actually based on uh, two real people in real life? I mean, they 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 made him up, uh, yes, but but he was uh, based on two real people. He was based on Rasputin and Vlad the Impaler. So, oh wow! And so what what happened is that. Um, they uh, uh, um, they didn't use a Tobin spirit guide. What well, they did on on a computer, but it was used as as a reference part of the scene. But we didn't re- really actually get to see a Tobin spirit guide in front of us. But um, what what it said is is that uh, he lived uh, from fifteen oh five and died 1610 105 years old and and he didn't even die of old age and um he was drawn cord uh gutted uh, uh stretched and uh tortured all, all of this stuff and he refused to die but when uh vigo uh, actually realized that he was going to die um what they had to do was cut off his his head and and um put salt on it and stuff like that i, I mean uh be, before he knew he was going to die his his last words uh were death is but a door time is but a window i'll be back and uh oh wow uh so he does come back he comes back in a painting and in new york somebody um, drew a painting, well, painted a painting of, of Vigo, and they, they thought it was a, a very good find. And then uh, Janos Poha uh, wanted uh, Vigo in the arch in the art museum, and he gets possessed uh, by some kind of spirit that's kind of him, but not really him. And be, because at first uh, he didn't want to kidnap children, he didn't, and and, and uh, Vigo made him by possessing something else inside his body to do his bidding. 
So he uh-huh. he does exactly what what he was um, set out to uh, to do to bring the end of the world again. We've seen it happen with Gozer. Now we're having Vigo the Carpathian bringing the end times. So it's going to be a different scenario, but but it's uh, going to be you know, like a bad way to end the world too especially if it was actually 1989 so uh, yeah i i mean let let's let's be real here i mean if if that were actually happening i i I told you that uh highwood would have uh looked the other way and there would be news coverage about it this would not be a movie at all if it was real but but if it were to actually happen, um, I don't want it to happen, first of all. And the second of all thing is, it could be a very uh, painful death if it was going to be an actual end of the world scene. Uh, if Vigo the Carpathian is actually uh, a real spirit coming back for revenge. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah. Well, uh, what what do you feel about with work? Do you want to uh, call it quits for now, or yeah, we um, we, we could actually uh, schedule another time when when you're ever uh, free again. I I, I do need to get some sleep, so let, let yeah, much see. deserved. Ten thirty six. So I need to get some sleep. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, let's call tonight, and then let's uh, continue another time. Just let me know. All right. As always, my my closing is have a good morning, good afternoon, good uh, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you may be listening to this podcast at this very moment. And goodbye. Thank you for uh, joining us as well, Sai. <laughs> so, Welcome. My pleasure. All right. Um, peace. And I know actually, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you uh, soon whenever that that there would be uh um let me know or i'll just text you or something like that so excellent that sounds good all right Um, awesome peace talk soon all right good night okay cool all right night (laughs)